Hey entrepreneurs, are you trying to make bigger profits in your small business? If you're like most of us entrepreneurs, increasing your profitability is always on your mind. And you're probably looking for ways to grow your revenue while growing your company. Well, you found a podcast that shares ideas to help you do just that. I'm Marcia Reiner. I'm a business growth strategist. I've helped tons of small business owners to establish and implement a tangible plan that guarantees increased profitability, guides your growth, and plans for your future exit. Because building a highly profitable and sale-ready business creates a win-win scenario. That's more money now and a windfall when it's time to let go. And I look forward to sharing strategies that I've learned with you on today's Profit with a Plan podcast. But before we get started, I have some exciting news. I've released my second book called The Profit Accelerator, and I'm looking for a few business owners to interview about how my book's 12 strategies would impact your industry. Go download my book for free and let me know if you'd like to be interviewed. I'm confident that these strategies can help any business to increase their revenue, profit, and the value of their company without having to pay for additional advertising or marketing. Go pick up your copy at trajectoryprofits.com forward slash book dash download. All right, listeners, I have a treat for you today. Daryl Evans is a serial entrepreneur, investor, and co-founder of local, or excuse me, Yokel Local Internet Marketing. He and his team have helped entrepreneurs and companies to generate over $300 million in revenue online since 2011. He's personally started and operated six businesses since the age of 20. He's also the host of a fellow podcast called the Mind Shift Podcast, which launched in 2019 and is the founder of the Mind Shift Business Accelerator, MBA, he calls it, love it, and the Mind Shift Growth um, Mastermind. Another great tag, MGM. So he uses, he brands other marketing just to get his in there. So I love it. He's passionate about entrepreneurship. And when he appears on podcasts, he loves sharing lessons, mistakes, and breakthrough frameworks that have helped him and hundreds of other business owners market profitably, grow uh, sales uh, predictably, and to build superstar teams. His goal is to help entrepreneurs uh, their journey and audience grab lessons, at least one mind shift, right? We're shifting that, that could catapult them to the next level of success. Welcome to Profit with a Plan podcast, Daryl. I'm so excited to have you here. Oh, Marcy, I'm so excited to be here. Uh, I had no idea we sent you that long intro. Good Lord, I'm gonna have to edit that thing down. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. It's Thank all you good. so much for having me. I'm really excited. I've had books before, and then I've had three sentences, and I'm like, wow, just send me somewhere in between. So it's all good. You know, I, I like to read the introduction because I think the audience needs to have a little flavor of who you are and what you do, and I think the introduction in the bio does that for it. But let me start off with a, with a question, right? You mentioned in your bio that you've been, you've been doing running businesses since, you know, the beginning of time. Why businesses and what was your what was your passion that got that started? Yeah, great question. The entrepreneurial bug hit me around 20. And I didn't know for sure at that time that entrepreneurship would be this 32-year journey. But I was in college and I, of course, like anyone paying their way through school, uh, needed a job. Obviously, I had a job when I was uh, already going to school. So I kept that job. I ended up getting promoted 
uh, at a place in, in the United States called Taco Bell. Most people know about it. <laughs> yeah, and actually, so, their their home their home is in uh, my town, Irvine. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Just yeah, the corporate uh, headquarters. That's right. I remember going there for one of my leadership trainings, uh, which was actually right before I ended up getting promoted to uh, general manager. So, wow. so it was during that time though that I I used to go. I always tell the story that I used to go to the grocery store with my mom shopping. And I really wasn't into shopping as much as I was into going to the magazine racks to look at the cover of magazines, pick up the magazines, kill time while she was there. This is obviously pre-internet and all that stuff like that. And I just found that my interests were always Inc. Magazine, Forbes Magazine, Entrepreneur Magazine, Ooh. Business Opportunity Magazines, amongst all the things that I did. Now, I was an athlete uh, growing up, and it just that's just where my eyes went. So I'm in college. And I'm an electrical engineering major, and I enjoyed the idea, and I was doing fine, except I was getting more and more involved in business. So, in the, as a general manager, I, you know, I had everything to do with ordering inventory, staffing, hiring, training, supervising, banking, P and L. I had to, I had to report five or six numbers every morning to my district manager, which were K KPIs, right? KPIs. Mm -hmm. We know those in business to be KPIs. I didn't know what they were then. I just thought you it was part of my like, daily again? report card. <laughs> yeah, I just thought it was my daily card. report card. Love it. And I just, I just got it. You know, it took me a couple, three years to really understand the management role at the general manager level, where you go from being an assistant manager, where you're responsible for a shift, to being a general manager, where you're responsible for the whole store 24-7. And it took me a few years to really nail that down and 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 do that well. But I, I did that well. Get out of college, and I think that's when it hit me. It was like, huh. I did a lot of time with that organization, did a lot of great work, turned a lot of numbers around, and I was still up against a maximum of 5%, right? A, a maximum. <laughs> and I'd have to like argue, you know, beg, you know, for, for my three and a half or four. And I'm thinking, geez, what did I do? But it was just the way the system is wired, right? Right. Um, and so I just feelings everywhere. <laughs> yeah. So I, so I just decided to bet on myself. And in truth, the first career, the first uh, business, if you will, was in the financial services industry right out of college. And uh, listen, I also say this, that business I didn't start. I was an independent contractor for a financial services agency. So they didn't, I, I always say, if they don't give you a check every two weeks, you're self-employed. I don't care what the name <laughs> of the business is. If you're a realtor, if you're a mortgage lender, which I would later go into uh, both of those fields. And so that was that was the wake up call. Um, it really was probably 2000 when I said I'll probably never look back at mm. a job uh, from this traditional corporate sense. Um, but it, it just felt right for me, and I've been willing to bet on myself through the ups and through the downs. And of course, as an entrepreneur, you have all of those. Yes, you do. You know, it, so many people I've spoken to. I mean, um, I've been doing this for four years now, and everybody has a similar journey. There was this switch, right? And then once you made that switch, you really couldn't go back. Um, I've been an entrepreneur in one way, shape or form all my life as well. And then there were times in my career that I'd go back into, you know, being in the corporate space and I just would suffocate, right? Yeah. Because, you know, me and I thought I could do things better, right? And that was, that's, that's my, <laughs> probably my problem with it is yeah. always figuring out ways to do things better. So how did you find marketing? Oh, marketing. So it would have been in my 20s, right? So I did get my real estate license when I was 22, when I was in college. 
And I also, and I, you know, my manager at the time, he was like, you know, you ought to quit that whole Taco Bell thing because you really know how to sell. So marketing, marketing for me showed up, showed itself in, uh, during those years when I was in real estate, because the way you grow real estate practice is at that time you cold call you at that time, which is going to sound really interesting to your younger audience is you would call on Fizbo's, you would door knock, you would, um, call on expired listings. And so you did a lot of cold calling. What I realized, and again, you did work your warm network, but when you're 23 years old and your warm network ain't got no money. (laughs) So, but what I realized was cold calling individuals, even though they had a need, even though they were in pain, that's what I realized. That was one of the triggerings. So if they had the house on the market, you don't see for sale by owners too much anymore. But Mm -hmm. if you tried to sell your house yourself and it didn't sell, you're actually not happy. If your house was on the market for six months, which also doesn't happen very much today, and it didn't sell, you're not happy. So we were calling people that were absolutely unhappy. And we were not the only one. So I was like, you know, there's just got to be a better way. We're calling them at dinner time. They're trying to eat and they're not happy. I don't really have (laughs) nothing unique to say. Now, my mentor, who is a guy who I still know here in the Vegas area, he's just a bad you-know-what in the game. And, and he taught me everything. So it wasn't that he didn't teach me well. He taught me fantastic. It's just I felt like it didn't fit my character. Along right. comes another guy that I, I met in the industry, and I noticed that he had 72 houses on the market wow. as a listing agent. And I'm like, what the heck is he doing? Right. And so what I noticed was he was using a 1-800 phone number where people would call into this number and listen to a pre-recorded message, which today in the digital marketing sense, we would know it as a landing page right? where he was offering a free report about buying a home, whatever it might've been, buying a home with a 3% down or buying a home with no money down or whatever. And he would mail it. He would snap mail And he was mailing it, but he, but he also <laughs> would hand out these flyers at the open houses. So I, what I would do uh, when you work with a big agent like that, they always have these open houses and they don't have enough staff to sit all the open houses. So if you're a rookie agent at least back then, you could say, Hey, can I go sit your open house? I'll open house. I'll show your house to everybody. And of course I would get a commission. If I sold the house, he would make the money on the listing side because it was his listing. But I noticed something. He had these flyers at the house and rather than it being the traditional flyer, three bedroom, two bath, 1,542 square feet with the $700,000, whatever, he had, he did have some of that stuff on there, but he also said to download a free report on buying this house with no money down or whatever, mm. call 1-800-da-da-da-da extension 103. So I called it and mm. I was like, it was nothing more than a sort of two minute voice recording. recording. And you would, of course, Marcia, this is Dayton, Dayton, this a little bit, but you would leave your message and get a fax machine. You would get a fax back. So you could eat, so, so you would either get it mailed to your house, you would either get it mailed to your house, or you could leave a fax number, believe it or not, and get it faxed to your office. And I was just like, this guy's above, he's ahead of the game. So I I started learning direct, what I realized later is it was called direct response marketing. Mm -hmm. I became fascinated. I started gobbling up everything I could, all the big names, the Dan Kennedys of the world, the Claude Happy, all the names. And I became like, oh, so then I went into the financial services industry right out of college. And I decided rather than to, well, I had to do the way that they taught us because we were under contract, but I also created a direct mail letter 
and I was marketing into attorneys. So I picked my niche. Uh, I picked my niche right out of college. It was attorneys. And here's what I did. I would use a letter to get their attention. Now, we'll fast forward this to digital and how we use it today. But what I realized was the letter wasn't enough because they had, you know, they, they, they call them uh, gatekeepers. So mm-hmm. they had gatekeepers because they're busy. They're attorneys, right? Mm-hmm. So I said, huh, how do I get this letter past the gatekeeper? By the way, I'm not selling insurance. I'm not selling stocks and mutual funds in the letter. I'm trying to sell an appointment, right? Mm. So, so this goes the into The next marketing. logical step. I'm trying to sell an introduction phone call or a 10-minute drop-by is what we called it. But it was mm. all for introduction purposes. Now, I finally realized that I started understanding the value of the invitation and it would later play out to where we are in digital. So if the gatekeeper had the job to keep things that were not important off this person's desk, then they were throwing my letter away. Yes, they were. So so one day it hit me. How do I make sure that they never can throw my letter away? And I added money to the letter. (laughs) So I see you can't, you don't have permission. So what I would do is go to the bank and get these crisp $1 bills, mm-hmm. brand new crisp $1 bills. And so it took my mail cost obviously through the roof, but I wanted to make sure the objective was to get past the gatekeeper. I needed to take away the discretion to throw away my letter. Now they hmm. could steal the dollar if they wanted to. And throw it away. And possibly, or they could say, you know, I got this letter, had a dollar bill in it and that opened the door. I started locking down appointments like it was going out of style wow. for no other reason than what Robert Cialdini would call, I would learn later, the law of reciprocity. So wow. by them receiving something of value, even if they didn't want to do business with me, they took my call because they felt a certain way because they'd received something of value. So when I called after the letter, they, I would get through, I can't remember the percentages, but it was unbelievable how many appointments I'd locked down for this introduction call, or they would just take the call and say, listen, timing's not right for me, which we know in the band formula is a key component to selling. They would tell me, you know, I appreciate your approach. I love your marketing strategy. Can you give me a call back in a year? And so they would put, I put it in my then CRM. And that's kind of how I got, I fell in love with marketing. Of course, along came digital and it was just over. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, that's, that's the, um, I think that's the million dollar question that every business owner needs to know or wants to know is how do they master that digital, that online space, right? Because there's so much crap out there, you know, and hard sales and, you know, nobody, everybody's afraid to give their email address, right? So they give a dummy email address. I mean, there's so many challenges we face with, right? I mean, we all have that. We all have that email address that we give that houses all the crap that comes our way. So how does a business today, right, get through that, quote, gatekeeper and get to their audience in a way that they can set the first introduction appointment or a 10 minute drop by as you called it. Yeah. I've been saying this for probably in the neighborhood of 20 years. And most people think that it's just fluff, but here's what I, I, it's really similar to what I just said. I give more value Mm. than what I'm hoping to get back. Mm. 
right? So is the dollar, was the dollar worth their time? No, it wasn't. That wasn't what they get. They paid two, three, $400 an hour, whatever it would have been back then. I know that's what my attorney charged me now, 400. I don't know. So I don't know what it was back then. It but was still a lot. <laughs> here's, the, here's the thing about today, right? So here's what I say about today's mature digital marketing landscape. See, if I go back 12 years ago, we started the agency, opt-ins were still fairly new. Social media, still mm -hmm. new. Landing pages, still relatively new. I was an early adopter in 03, 04, but the world wasn't. So mm -hmm. today it's a mature, everybody has seen the opt-in page. Everybody has seen the first name, email address, and the click to get the thing. Everybody knows that the PDF is going to follow with a sequence of emails that's going to hammer you to buy something. <laughs> so, we yes. are, so we have to treat the market for where they are. I always say this in marketing. You get better at marketing when, when you meet your customer where they are and stop mm. acting like they're not aware of what's about to happen. Marcia, let me take you back to buying a car offline for those, <laughs> anyone here who knows what that process looks like. Like Yikes. nobody wants to sign up for that process ever again. Yikes. <laughs> so I used to go to the car lot in the evening. I remember getting ready to buy a Honda Civic. It was my first car. And this is in the late eighties. And so I, I still, I, here's the problem. It's not changed almost in 30 years. The process, unless you buy it online, it's unbelievable how bad that process is. So again, um, the way we do things today is treat your market with respect. Mm. Number one, mm -mm. treat them with respect. Yeah. Take the opt-in page down until it's necessary. And I get a lot of marketers who give me pullback on that, but let me tell you what I do. Okay. I don't, Please. I don't, I don't put the opt-in page on the first touch. The opt-in page is when it's necessary, mm. when it's time to book a meeting, when maybe I want you to attend a webinar or a class. And I use a method called ATM. So I put it at the T instead of the A. Let me tell you what I mean. A lot of people just put the opt-in page up to download the free thing. The thing sure. means whatever your thing is of value, your checklist, your ebook, your whatever. What I do is I say, where is this person coming from in their awareness of who I am and what I do? Mm. And then one other piece to that is, is where are they in the journey to solve the problem that I could help them solve? Right, their buyer's so I, journey. That's right. So I try to align the invitation to opt in with the most, where is it? where do I need the email address to be? Do I need the email address for them to get a checklist? Not really. Do I actually even today and now today, I actually have quote unquote webinar pages or training pages where I put up 20 minute, 30 minute, 15 minute, hour long uh, classes and I put no opt-in in front of it. I put the opt-in beneath it if they want to take the next step. Mm, okay. Why? Why? I've, it's, it sounds fantastic, but it sounds like you're earning the right to ask of for course. that email address. And then you're going to be, if it's valuable enough and you provide it enough valuable, they're going to give you the real email address and not the junk one that, you know, hits all your spam and you never see it anyways, right? Take a chance on the five minute, 10 minute, 20 minute, 40 minute, whatever that video was that I put on the page. Just take a chance on that content. You don't need to give me an opt-in on that. If you like what I said, if what, what I said and how I think seems to resonate with where you are mm. in your journey, the next invitation then will, will ask you for an email address. So I basically call it an open opt-in page in my world like because it. I, 
I just don't. Now, here's why. Why do I do this? Because at the end of the day, everybody wants an ROI on their marketing. Well, Daryl, if you're not getting the email address, and people will say, Daryl, you said the email address is the most valuable asset in digital marketing. I did say that. I still say it. It is still true. Yes. Then why don't you try to get the email address on the first time you touch something, uh, touch someone? And I said, because I didn't do that when I met people offline. <laughs> imagine this. Okay. Imagine this. We go to a networking event, we go to a conference, and the first thing we do is say, Oh, by the way, I've got this business card. Let's exchange business cards. Oh, but let me get your email address first. It's not relevant, <laughs> right? Right. You haven't it's earned it. Not, it's not relevant. It's just so I I say, listen, today we have a mature customer. We have mature mm -hmm. buyers in every industry. Let's just stop it with this trickery, right? I understand funnels and I understand it all. It is all important. I get it. But let's be real clear. The, um, the e-commerce industry, if you look at the e-commerce industry, they do it better. Uh, some people would say better or worse, but if you look at e-commerce, if you go to their website, they have one intention and that is to give you a coupon so you can make your first purchase. <laughs> yes. I hate but that. What's interesting, I'm clicking. I'm not ready to make my purchase yet, so I'm not going to give you my email address yet. But, so funny, but, I've been noticing that lately, and I've been pushing it away because I know when I've made, when I'm closer to making my purchase, then I'll click in my email address. Again, they give you the invitation to get the coupon as soon as you arrive on the site, mm. but you push it away. But they have a timing mechanism to know that if you hit the cart they'll pop the coupon back up. So it's smart technology. So I say that the reason why I use, in some cases, no opt-in when I'm giving away a large piece of value, it's because I want them to consume the value. If you and I are doing ads, which you and I talked about offline, if I'm running ads and I'm spending money to get a click to the website, I want them to review the doggone thing I put on the page. Yeah, because that's Why do I want to cause friction? Right. So I'm just approaching, and why do I do that? Well, number one, because Facebook, Google, Instagram, or not Instagram, because Instagram is Facebook. So Facebook, Meta, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, LinkedIn, they all have these little codes that you can put on the page called a pixel, mm -hmm. which means once someone touches the page, you can then show them additional content in the social media feed. So I play, let's get them to the page, to the content, because the goal was to get them to read the content in the first place. Mm. If I run a thousand clicks to a page and I get 20% opt-in rate, which if you're running cold traffic, cold visitors, 20% is going to be kind of the number we're shooting for. So that means I get 200 opt-ins. And But here's the truth. After they opt in, the pull-through rate of how many people consume what's on the next page is about 30% of those total opt-ins. Mm. So I really only got 70-ish or so people to see the presentation. And then the conversion process happens on the back end. I'm more like, hey, if I get 1,000 clicks, let's let 1,000 people get pixeled on that page to see that content. And then I presume the 30% number is the same. So what I then do is take the, take the content that was on the page, I chop it up into bite-sized pieces, and I put it on social media, and then I run dollar a day ads to get them to further consume the content. Boom. Boom. Okay. Let's go. You want to get strategic. Carol, let's you're go. You're talking to somebody who is 
fully engulfed into the online marketing community. And I have not heard that yet. But when you explained <laughs> it the way you explained it, it is mind-blowing the exponential growth in the retargeting you can get because the person watched your page. And if I'm correct, Google and Facebook and Instagram, they like you to land on the page and stay there for a little while yes. because that increases your your um, your reporting in your SEO because to Google's mind, you they liked what they saw when they went there. So then Google's going to start sending more people to you because the person that put the interest in said that they liked it. Oh my gosh, exponential boom here, Daryl, on something that is just putting the cart before the horse or the horse before the cart. Yeah, it's putting patience before all of it. Wow. It, it's like, can we be just patient? I understand, I'm in more strategic meetings as you are, where everything's about, let's hurry up and get to the ROI. Let's hurry up and get to the money. Let's hurry up. I, you know, I, I want it yesterday. I get <laughs> I it. I want it yesterday. So I, I, I read a study. Let me, re, let me, re, um, I was given a study that was done. I didn't get this study until 2007 or eight. The study was done in 2002 or three. And the industry was completely different than what you and I do. It's, it was actually in the magazine subscription industry, mm. but this, the, the study found these approximate numbers. Cause I don't have the study anymore. I wish I could find sure. it, but I did recall these numbers of 100 people that inquire. <clears throat> what does inquire mean? I don't exactly know, but let's say that that's for every 100 people that clicked on your ad and arrived at your website, assuming we're talking digital. Sure. About your very specific thing, only two to four percent of them were actually in market. So we are trying to squeeze ROI out of two yep. out of four, two to four out of a hundred people. And there are businesses that can make that math work. Most of the clients I work with can't really make that math work. Nope. For a number of reasons. And it isn't because the business isn't good. It isn't because the product isn't good. It's just a lot of variables. So here's what the study further said. Of the, let's just round it up to 5%, just so we can keep the math together. Of the 5% uh, that were interested, 45% were shown through this study over a two-year period of time. Uh, sorry, 35% of the 45% left bought the thing that they went to check out within two years. Later. Later. So 35 or 40% are just not ready today. Mm -hmm. It could be just something they were thinking about. It's in their mind, but their time horizon is not there. And Marcia, I was in the mortgage industry when I learned about this study. And it was very interesting because it resonated true with the mortgage process. Sure. I would I would get a call from a military transfer into my market. They got orders, let's say in February, we're about to be in February at the time of recording this, and they were going to be here in Vegas in November, 10 months ahead. It isn't practical to start a loan application in February. So even if they inquired so they could start understanding loan limits in the area, rates in the area, pricing in the area, it's not practical for them to start the process today. 
So I had learned that my job between the time of the inquiry and the time they were, their time horizon arrived, my job was to be top of mind, be helpful, be a Mm. resource. And here's the thing. If you've ever worked in an industry where you only get paid when the client gets a result, you have a different perspective on how to treat people. There's so many people today that don't understand that in the lending industry, and by the way, I was in the industry for 12 years. I did about 1,700 loans. That isn't the most, it isn't the lowest, but it was reputable. That's a good number. I was one of the best in the game in my market. Um, I only got paid when the client got the result. So I have a different perspective of marketing because if I only get paid when you get a result, and I know your results not for 10 more months, and I know you're going to talk to USAA, and I know you're going to talk to the to the realtor who gives you three other lenders to talk to, then my job is to earn trust. My job mm. is to show that I'm the expert. My job isn't to close you. I have mapped this to the online space for the last 12 years for all of our clients. They resist me. They try to say, well, the, where's the ROI? We need to put a dollar. They, they attend too many webinars. Put a dollar it's in a and get $3 out. It's a long-term play. It's a long game. That, And I think, I think, that's, I think that's the reason. You, you said something really important here. That, And by the way, I'm loving this concept because it's so spot on. Um, but I think most business owners or most people that want to pay for marketing, right? They want a quick result, right? Because they're buying marketing because they need more clients, right? And so they're thinking, I need this month or I'm going to close the doors, or I need this month because I just lost a big client. I need, so they're in that mindset of of desperation when they start their marketing plan. They're not thinking of, this is a long-term play. If I do this correctly, I am seeding the, the, the field today and I will harvest it in months to come and continue to harvest it for years to come. But the problem is, is they're like, I need something yesterday. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and that's the challenge we face, which, you know, there are ways to get things yesterday or, you know, um, quick sale. And, mm-hmm. you know, I can make you a million dollars in 30 days kind of promises that are <laughs> totally right. ridiculous. Right. But I think business owners, for the marketing strategy that they're going to need in their business, they're going to need the long play. And if you're lucky and you catch one of those two to four or five percent that are ready right now, then that's a win. You will. But most people are going to be in that longer, longer phase. Yeah, you're going to catch the two to four. Let's be clear. We are always going to look for the two to four. Don't get me wrong. When we open Google ads, we're trying to get the two to four. But mm-hmm. let me take an example that makes sense to a lot of people, whether they've done it or not. No one wakes up overnight and has to get divorced today. <laughs> it just doesn't happen. Let me let me give you a few examples. No one wakes up today. No one wakes up today and has to have LASIK eye surgery today. Right. right. There are so many businesses. No one had to buy a mortgage that day. No one had to buy the real estate that day. No one has to buy life insurance that day. No one has to buy the new car that no one has to do anything today. There's very few things. One of those is if my water heater goes out and we work with some plumber and you don't want to take a cold shower more than once, 
when you realize <laughs> that the water's out, that's a today thing. If you're in right. 115 degree heat in the summer in Vegas, you don't want to be in that for, that's a today thing. But the right. vast majority of the companies that we help and serve, they're not today things. So we'll take the two to 4% that are today, but we're building a model around that 35 who might be mm. next week, next month, two months, four months, six months. And the way you do that is with a course, retargeting, social advertising, social organic posting, email marketing that's done smartly. Um, here's the one piece of advice I would give everyone listening to this, because this is the one thing when we audit companies, uh, marketing strategy, it's not mm -hmm. tactical. Right. They're usually doing something analytically wrong. And here's what mm. it is. They're doing a lot of things. And then when they ask us to take a look, the analytics, Google analytics isn't set up. Google search console isn't set up. The Facebook pixel, the Google pixel, the Twitter pixel, the, the pixels that capture the data around mm. all of your marketing efforts are not even installed and properly set up on the website. Here's what's important about this. You might not want to run social media ads today. You might be focused on Google. And that's, mm -hmm. of course, where we obviously spend a lot of time because that's where you're probably you're more of your four percenters are going to be coming in through Google. So we recognize that. We understand that. But here's what's important. Let's go back to the divorce example. Someone might come to the, to the law firm, the divorce law firm's website because they found the Google ad. But it could have been that they, the person who hit the website, they just had the fight last night and they're mm. really ticked off. <laughs> and maybe it's the fifth fight or the fifth disagreement about money or whatever. And now they're saying, hmm, I'm not sure this is going to work out. So let me just see mm. what would happen with our cars, what would happen with our house, what would happen with the kids. They're just, they're not even sure but they hit the website right now. Now, you ran the ad on Google and they Googled divorce attorney, your city. So the, the marketing team didn't do a bad job. You're certainly qualified to help them. It's just that their timing and the need are not there. So why is, yet. Why, yet, why is <laughs> having the Facebook pixel and all of that stuff important? Already installed, even if you're not running ads, because Facebook lets you go back and track anybody who's touched your website for 180 days. Mm, as does okay. Google. So if you hit my website, all I have to do is surface up a $1 a day ad that simply reminds you that I'm here in the event that you need some additional information. See, we, if we think about television, radio, and billboards, yes. we watch TV commercials and Obviously, there are certain companies they advertise on all your shows. They run them a thousand times. Well, most of our small business middle middle sized clients they can't afford to do that. Nope. So what we do is what we do is replicate TV, radio, and billboard using social media ads. So first touch website, first touch website, then comes ad. Mm, love <laughs> so it. First touch website, then comes ad, and it's not an ad to say book a consultation because we don't know if that's what they want. What and we that's do a know, huge commitment. That's a huge commitment. It's a sale. Let's be clear. Someone booking a meeting is a sale. They just didn't mm -hmm. exchange cash. Now, unless mm -hmm. you're a lawyer or something, you do got to exchange cash. Or if you're a doctor, you got to exchange office visit money. But it is a sale. So what do we do? Well, no one randomly decided in the middle of the night to hit my divorce law firm website, right? So 
I'm in a very specific niche called divorce law, <laughs> child custody, separation agreements, all those things. So what do I do then? I don't know what they need because they didn't book a meeting. And let's say I didn't put the opt-in page in front of them. So what goes in the $1 a day ads on the back end? Frequently asked questions that I already know they're thinking because I know that all my other clients ask those same questions. Mm. That's I figured this right. out in the mortgage industry in 2007. So you can put these questions, by the way, on YouTube, you can put them on Facebook, you can put them on Instagram, and then you can run ads to these one minute videos, which we recommend because today everybody, everything is about everybody the one likes minute their video. videos. Everybody Everybody's likes at the one minute videos. video. So all we do is have our clients do these one minute videos, which by the way, we have a process for doing it because most of our clients will not shoot the videos. They just won't, they won't. So we have a process to take them through getting the videos shot and all that stuff. We take care of all the editing and the whole nine yards. And then we do the posting for them if they want. But the point is, is all we're trying to do is stay top of mind around a person who took the first step and wow. came to the website. Wow. Daryl, we could talk for days <laughs> on this and you have given us such golden nuggets that it's like mind blowing because it's not the same old, same old, same old, same old and craziness and searching. And, and we business owners don't know the real methodology. And I love the fact that you're talking about a mature audience. We're not talking age. We're talking experience. Correct. They know what's being thrown at them and they know how to deflect that with their gatekeeper. And so you've given us some really juicy ideas on how to take your business and truly market in a way to reach your ideal client. And it sounds like for pennies on the dollar, uh, for, I, from my side, um, yeah, I think, which is, I think it's, an, yeah, you can certainly start there. Let me be clear. We're not running dollar day ads to get consultations booked. Let me be clear, but yeah, we don't have to spend tens of thousands of dollars to just do the conversion event because we're trying to meet people at all the stages. Love it. Love it. Thank you so much. This is great. So Daryl, where can listeners find out more about you and uh, Yokel Local and how to grow their business in a more effective way? Because we all need leads. Come on. We, we all need opportunities to talk to more people. So where can yeah. we find out more about you? I appreciate it. So I talk a lot about these strategies on my podcast, which is the Mind Shift Podcast. So wherever you're listening to uh, Profit With A Plan, uh, if you want to look up the mind shift podcast with Daryl Evans, you'll find the show, uh, once uh, we have two episodes a week, one of those is generally about marketing. Um, and then you can also find me just at my website at darylevans.net. Love it. Love it. Thank you. I know listeners, you've got it. There's, there's, this is, this has been so important, even for me, for the, for the internet marketing, you know, person I am, you know, as, as, as my, as my inner nature comes out, that's really, truly what I dig. And, and I always go follow and find different tactics and strategies because it helps us grow. Um, so yeah, definitely go check those out, Daryl. This is, this has been, I know there's going to be tons of value that you're going to be offering on here. So listeners, I hope you found a couple of nuggets the way I did, uh, that you can put into your business to help you be more profitable. And while you're at it, go pick up my book uh, and it's 12 strategies that can help you dramatically increase your revenue, profit, and value of your company without having to pay for additional advertising or marketing. Go pick that book up at trajectoryprofits.com forward slash book dash download. That's me giving free value. You're going to learn some great stuff. So 
Uh, I'm trying to follow Daryl's uh, Daryl's guidance here. So uh, you're while pro. you're at it, you know, tell us what you think. What was your biggest nugget that you got out of here? What worked? Um, what are you going to go do and implement into your business? Comment on today's podcast and Daryl and I will uh, reply back. Hit us up with any questions you have because we'll be quick to answer them. And while you're at it, subscribe to today's show. You don't want to miss next week's show. And you can always catch Profit with a Plan on any of your favorite podcast players. And we're looking forward to more great profitable information on next week's show. So until then, go make your plans and profit with them. Thanks so much, Daryl. Thank you for having me, Marcia. 